today on Ag News Daily. Oh, so this one is actually in response to the request from the Ukrainian government, specifically from the agriculture department. Right? And as you know, the country is vastly devastated by this, this invasion. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Ag News Daily Podcast, sponsored today by Douglas Plant Health. To unharness your soil's fertility and maximize yield, consider Douglas Plant Health. Tanner, today is September, Tuesday, September 20th, and uh, we've got a lot to talk about today. We do. This is going to turn into a game, like where in the world is Carmen San Diego? It's going to be where in the world is Delaney <laughs> Howell? Do you want to guess or did I tell you? You know, I don't, you probably did tell me, but uh, in true male fashion, I don't have a clue. So I'm thinking uh-huh. you are in Las Vegas. No, but close. I am in the Southwest portion of the United States in Tucson, Arizona. Ah, there you go. Nice and uh, hot. Is it? Oh, yeah. Very hot. I think today is supposed to be a high of like 103. So very warm. But, uh, yeah, it'll be fine. Well, it's not too I'm, bad. Here, no. Back here in Iowa, we're setting, potentially going to set a record today with a high of 95. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, that's uh, going to be interesting to see how that impacts harvest this year, Tanner. And yes. um, speaking of harvest, I'm just going to jump right in here to our first piece of news, which is that the USDA's weekly crop progress report finally has some harvest numbers as well. Just 7% of the U.S. corn crop was harvested as of Monday. And on the soybean side of things, this is the first week of harvest progress. And NAS estimated that 3% of the soybean crop in the U.S. was harvested. They also followed that report up, Tanner, with just slightly dropped conditions for corn and soybeans. 52% good to excellent on the corn side of things, down 1% from last week. And on soybeans, 55% good to excellent, down again 1% from last week. But Tanner, this caused some analysts to go ahead and drop their yield estimates once again, noting that USDA continues to decrease good to excellent ratings. Uh, StoneX released a new yield this morning in their newsletter, putting the crop now at a 169.6 for corn. And that's about 1.2 bushels lower than the past week. And their soybean yield fell just two tenths of a bushel to 51.8. Oh, hey, nice. That could be a, another incentive for the bulls in the grain market to take over. So it'll be interesting to see how the market's opened up today. I did see that report as well. Looks like we're still behind the five-year average and definitely behind progress for harvest from last year by a couple of percentage points. So a little bit delayed. Uh, Wheat, as we hit there, is uh, 94% spring wheat harvested as of Sunday, equal to the five-year average. So it looks like that's a crop that is on pace. I got a couple of Ocean storm stories here. Millions of people in Japan are told to evacuate as a typhoon made its first landfall on Sunday. So Namadol slams into Japan with record-breaking rain amounts. The Puerto Rican residents are now in the dark due to Hurricane Fiona and now surges from typhoon 
Mirbach have hit Alaska, Japan has its own storm. So we're looking at quite a few oceanic storm systems that are coming in. The typhoon Namadal made landfall Sunday evening with wind speeds of 110 miles an hour. And that is considered a category two hurricane. But now we look at the Puerto Rican islands and down in that portion of the world, Turks and Caicos are being inundated with torrential rain as Hurricane Fiona, which is a category three hurricane, battles into those islands. The Dominican Republic is next online, but there are two more storms, Delaney, that are headed out into the Atlantic Ocean. Delaney in the central subtropic Atlantic, the area of low pressure is now producing increased shower and thunderstorm activity. According to Fox Forecast Center, the environmental conditions are marginally favorable for additional developments. They're looking at two areas to watch, just straight north of the South American coast and what looks to be straight east of South Carolina. The National Hurricane Center is giving the system a high chance of development over the next two days. So it will be another thing for us to watch. Kind of a strange time of year, if I'm remembering correctly, Delaney, for tropical storms to be brewing up in the oceans. Yeah, I I don't have a good handle on that, Tanner. I think Eric Snodgrass definitely could probably enlighten us and our listeners a little bit more on that one. And surprisingly, I don't have any weather-related news for today, Tanner, but we are getting ready to kick off two days of Federal Reserve meetings starting today. And of course, largely speculation has been going on that we will perhaps see the Fed release another interest rate hike, but of course, yet to be seen on that, Tanner. Yeah, it'll be interesting because now there's some forecasts of more than three quarters of a percent. 20% of analysts are now saying that it could be a 1% increase. Mm, wow, that would be a big one. Is that what's the largest uh, one time raise we've ever seen in the history of the US? The three quarters of a percent. That's what I thought. Yeah, okay. Yep. So we'd top that record if we if we did see that follow through. That is correct. Looking at my last piece of weather for the day, we do have some thunderstorms possible here in the central U.S., so Wisconsin, Illinois, and that is triggered off of the heat wave that I discussed during our opening. The 95-degree potentials here in Iowa and central U.S. creates the possibility for these thunderstorms to start in southern Wisconsin, northern Illinois. As we talked, that is an issue as harvest is getting started because these major storms have a high potential for hail and strong winds. Delaney, this is certainly not the time of year that we like to see winds hitting our corn and soybean crops, especially as we are just that close to harvest. The humid air mass accompanying with the highs above 90, the National Weather Service said those will be the ones we need to watch and use extreme caution. Such heat in late September can be deceptive and can cause additional stress for those outdoors. So they're experiencing high areas of heat, and then we hit the southern plains where we have continued spillouts from tropical storms pushing inland. So a lot of weather to watch, not something I planned on reporting today. Well, Tanner, the final piece of news I really have for today, aside from markets, is the Argentinian Pesos for Dollars program that you reported on a couple of weeks ago that was designed to encourage farmers to sell soybeans came to an end today, not officially, but from a practical standpoint, it sounds like. Uh, the program contributed more than five and a half million metric tons of soybeans 
sold on the spot market so far this month with another 2.3 million metric tons fixed for deferred delivery. The program, of course, offered farmers selling soybeans 200 pesos over every dollar's worth of soybeans sold. And the official exchange rate was somewhere near 145 pesos to the dollar. Sounds like farmers really quickly took advantage of that program, Tanner, dumped a lot of soybeans on the market. And now it sounds like the Argentinian government has the dollars they need to rebuild their foreign exchange reserves and that they will be likely kind of discontinuing that program or putting at least that program on pause for the time being, because it also drained foreign exchange reserves once again when farmers figured out that they could turn around and then rebuy the dollar with those pesos making an additional profit. So it kind of backfired on them. Oh, yeah, that was an extra step I don't think they were planning on. No. It's good to see farmers being savvy with their investments. Two little stories before I let you get into markets. Nitrogen prices are seeing a resurgence for fall. Natural gas prices are not the only driver. An economist out of Lincoln, Nebraska, is saying that the corn prices heading back up. There's issues in Europe. You have tariffs. You have additional transportation costs, even though we avoided the rail strike, it's still looming. Everything across the board is leading to price levels of increased and increased volatility. So he'd expect more of that going forward into the fall and the winter. Josh Linville of Stonex reported Friday that two European nitrogen plants are planning to come back online, which is good because that will help the supply and demand equation. But he said that likely won't help this fall it would be in assistance for this next spring. Also, the UAE is pushing up their target date of increased crude oil output by five years, according to Bloomberg. The state-run producer, NNOC, is producing 5 million barrels a day by 2025, up from their previously targeted 2030 date. The UAE could target a 6 million barrels per day number by 2030 if the 2025 goal is successful. So that is good news for the potential energy crisis that we have coming down us. So the United Arab Emirates is speeding up their plans to try and hit the worldwide demand figures right now. So a little bit of energy news to round out our Tuesday episode of Ag News Daily. Well, Tanner, we've got to finish up here with some market news. But before I get to that, I wanted to remind folks we are sponsored today by DPH Biologicals. For more than three decades, U.S. farmers, largely organic, have increased yield with the help of SP1 Classic. As fertilizer costs soar and supply chain challenges loom, DPH Biologicals is expanding access to this trusted biofertilizer to the conventional acre. With TerraTrove SP1 Classic, the complete biofertilizer, growers can replace up to 50% of starter fertilizer. Just visit dphbio.com to reclaim your soil's fertility. Tanner, as we look at commodity markets here this morning, we are certainly seeing some mixed trade in the grains as corn are pushing higher and soybeans pushing lower. New crop corn this morning pushing eight cents higher here at the open, trading around 6.86 and a half. New crop soybeans down about a penny and a half to two pennies on the morning at 14.59. Chicago December wheat up big moves this morning, adding 24 cents at the open at 8.55. And in livestock this morning, 
We're certainly seeing some mixed trade here as live cattle are pushing higher, feeder cattle are pushing lower. December live cattle up 55 cents at the morning, open at 151.47. Feeder cattle down a buck 42 and a half, opening at 180.87. And lean hawks pushing higher in the December contract, just a nickel at 88.20. Tanner, fill us in on who we're talking to for today. Lulu Rodriguez from the Seed Science Center right here in Ames, a place that I didn't know even existed and is only a couple miles from us. She's certainly full of energy and passion, so let's jump into that. Listeners, I am excited to introduce you all to Miss Lulu Rodriguez this morning. She is joining us from the Iowa State Seed Science Center, and she is the global program lead there. Lulu, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's a pleasure to join you and your listeners today, Cassidy. Well, Lulu, to just give us a little bit of a background here, how about you share a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are today? So I joined the Seed Science Center back in 2019. This is before the pandemic, and you know it's such a such a significant good timing. Um, and uh, but before that, I used to be to direct ag communications over at uh, the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. Um, before and there, I stayed for six years. But even before that, I am an Iowa State kind of like perennial um, because I. Uh, I was professor of journalism and mass communication over at the Greenlee School um, here on the Ames campus for uh, right about 15, 16 years before joining Illinois. And then I came back because I can't say no to Iowa State. <laughs> Absolutely. I think there's a lot of our listeners that can't say no to Iowa State. Go clones. We are excited yeah. to have a conversation with you because the impact that the Iowa State Seed Science Center has I think is underappreciated. So what are some of the key things that you guys work on at the Seed Science Center? Okay, so what we we are known for basically is because it's a seed science center, but but people don't normally know. And thank you so much, Tanner, for for bringing this to people's attention. But the, the seed science center operates the largest, the most comprehensive um, public seed laboratory in the world, right? And I should stress public because I don't know who else has the biggest seed lab everywhere, private or you know, pri- private on the private sector. But each year. What we do is test more than 35,000 seed samples, and we test them for purity, for viability, for seed vigor and seed health, and DNA testing, right? So if people would like to know, oh, is there this is 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 there a presence of this kind of trait in the seed sample, in our seeds, then it comes to us, you know, for testing. And so we perform such an important role uh, for seed companies, seed producers, and seed growers who really would like to have these things, of course, these quality, essential essential qualities of good seeds to be present in what they have. Um, and uh, aside from that, our, our center actually operates or administers the National Seed Health System. Um, and this one is actually under the auspices of USDA. Now, what does the National Seed Health System do? So basically what it does is ba- it, it's, um, it's, it, it is in charge of ensuring that seeds that are exported from the U.S., which has a value of about $1.7 
billion dollars annually are disease-free. And so now coming into the center back in 2019, of course, it took me quite some time to really understand the impact of this and the significance of this until, of course, the pandemic hit, right? And you can see how viruses get spread easily, throughout the world, isn't it? And so we want to be sure that seeds that are exported out of the U.S. actually are basically free of pathogens because these are the same kind of virus that that actually besieged our health status. It could happen to plants and all kinds of agricultural crops, right? So we do that on an annual basis. Research for, we test for about 350 seed-borne pathogens. And, um, and Iowa State is actually equipped to do that. Now, another thing that, you know, that Cassidy actually alluded to earlier is this whole notion of, uh, you know, of making sure that we actually work with other countries to to, uh, to ensure that this, the global seed system actually operates in a way that has harmony, that is uh, that is actually in line with uh, the trade standards, right? And so, um, in order to do that, we have to first of all, in different countries. Um, redevelop their uh, kind of like ability and their capacity to conduct research, uh, to conduct um, extension and outreach efforts so that in our, our vision really is for each of the major regions of the world, there is some kind of a, a center of excellence for seeds that people can go to as um, kind of like a premier reference source or a source for you know, the most important the most up-to-date knowledge and ex- exploration about sea science and technology. Now, also under on the education side, right? We actually is the home for the seed technology and business graduate program, which is an exclusively online program. And as far as we know, the only one in the world that actually combines um, the science, technology, and the business aspects of of, of seeds. And that's the reason why it is known as the most comprehensive graduate program um, about um, see science, technology, and business throughout the world. Um, So it is, therefore, a center that is kind of like complete in terms of what any land-grant institution, university, like Iowa State, is supposed to do. So that we have education, we do research, of course, and we do global service and outreach. So on that note of global service and outreach, I know, Lulu, before we started recording here, you had mentioned some things that y'all are doing for Ukraine. Can you touch on that a little bit? Oh, so this one is actually in response to the request from the Ukrainian government, specifically from their agriculture department. Right? And as you know, the country is vastly de- devastated by um by by this this invasion. And so um uh and and People don't realize as well that Ukraine is such an important agricultural center, right? It is known as the breadbasket of Europe. And because of what happened there, therefore their ability to actually produce most, most of the crops that specifically wheat, for instance, on which a number of countries are actually dependent has been 
radically reduced, right? So we are kind of like offering some kind of a supplement to, to supplement their ability right now, limited as it is actually, to supply to airbags to seeds to Ukraine. So we are under, um, we, we are in discussions with USDA, um, with um with uh, the seed companies, the private seed companies, and uh, with uh, even, um, you know, entities over at Ukraine and international agencies such as Euroseeds, Euro for instance. And those who are able to have the, to actually clear minds for us so that the, you know, seed planting becomes a safer kind of enterprise over there. So se- several entities, we are actually engaged in conversations with, um, so that we can affect these transfer of seeds to Ukraine. Yeah, that's an important role to play. And I know we have several young listeners that catch our show on a weekly basis. So what avenues, what degrees could young students get in order to end up potentially working for the Seed Science Center? Oh, so we do have um, you know, agronomy, of course. There's no such thing as a Bachelor of Science in Seeds, uh, Science and Technology, right? But you can actually specialize on that, is what my understanding is, um, on the undergraduate level. And so I think uh, you know, it is important to have uh, you know, some really basic grounding on, on agriculture, agronomy, and horticulture in particular, uh, to be in the seed science field. Uh, space, but um, there are so many subject matter areas and courses that people can actually take to develop specialization on seed science and technology. And so uh, there are also business classes. And as I mentioned before, this graduate program that we have is actually in conjunction um, is a joint effort to joint offering between the College of Agriculture and Life Sciences and the College of Business, because it is actually a comprehensive program following um, the demands of the seed industry that they need individuals who are really well-rounded and the technical aspects of things. But aside from that, they know the ins and outs of business and they know a little bit about how you could actually make sure that the seed enterprise becomes really a very viable one. So for those of our listeners that are looking to use this as a resource, how can they get in touch with the Seed Center and get in touch with some of y'all's research that you've done? You can actually, we do have a website and that is actually a good starting point. You know, it's uh, seeds.iastate.edu and most of the things that you will actually need to understand about what the Seed Science Center does is actually in that very, uh, you know, like a very comprehensive website. Um, what does the seed laboratory uh, do? You know, what, uh, what is the national seed health system? What is, what are our global programs? Um, what is is, uh, you know, uh, the the graduate program on seed science and technology. So, you know, you, you can just get in touch with us through that website and uh, you will be directed to whoever would be a, the best reference person for you to uh, get in touch with. That's great. Well, this is exciting for us as I sit right here in Ames, Iowa, myself to do this recording didn't even know this was right under my nose. So thank you again for joining us on the Agnes Well, Day you are podcast. all invited to visit us, Tanner, Cassidy. Yes. You know, anytime you have the chance, come in here and get acquainted with us. We always love visitors here. 
Yes, that's a, that's a shame for us. We will have to do that soon. But for now, I really appreciate you jumping on this episode. My pleasure, Tim. Well, Delaney, you can see the passion exists. And it's fascinating that in Ames, Iowa, there is such a reliance on maintaining the root seed genetics for potentially the entire world. So it's good to see seed science spawning out of Iowa State University and having its impact on agriculture. It certainly is, Tanner. Just really interesting things that we have here at the cusp of our fingertips as far as technology and research. And it's amazing that it's kind of in our backyard. Absolutely. But another great Ag News Daily episode. Listeners, find us on social media. Share your ideas and news that you come across. We'd love to hear from you. But until tomorrow, what do you say, Delaney? Should we let them let the listeners go? Let's let them go. Did we put DPH in there twice or just once? Well, they got three bonus ads yesterday, so I think they're fine. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs>